Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Uh, thank you, worship team, for uh, just leading us into the throne today. And thank you to the nine people and their families uh, that are just following Jesus. Um, this is one of those things that, as a pastor, um, this is how you know church is healthy, is when you see the tank is full and people are just being dunked in and following Jesus. So if you if, if you have not followed the Lord in the waters of baptism, uh, contact the office. Uh, we will be scheduling another water baptism. We would love to see, we'd love to see you baptized. Uh, it was in August of 2014 where I, I met this morning's speaker. In fact, we met, um, we met over, I think it was Facebook Messenger at that time. And it was, I remember it specifically because um, it was the day that Robin Williams had passed away. And it was, I wrote a blog. It was the first time I just kind of went public with my journey through depression. And so, um, I got a, a bunch of people wrote on the blog, but one, one, somebody specifically reached out to me, and it, it was a simple message. Hey, my name is John. I know the journey you're on. Is there anything I can do to help? And something happened on that day. I don't know about you. If you've ever had one of those moments where you meet somebody and you know that there is something significant about that relationship. There's something about that friendship. And really since August of 2014, I have looked at this, this man as uh, more than just a friend. He's been a brother in my life. He is somebody that um, has understood the numbers of things that I think I have gone through. There's been somebody that I have leaned on, somebody that I have sought to for wisdom. And I love that the Lord has been utilizing him. The Lord has used him as a pastor. Uh, the Lord has used, utilized him as a consultant, as a coach for churches. And God has been all of a sudden... Uh, uh, all of a sudden, God has been using massive favor in his life to begin to just work full time and working with boards, working with churches, helping churches to get healthy. And I celebrate that we've got somebody that wants to do more than just put, but put butts in pews in terms of church attendance. He wants churches from the inside out to be healthy. He wants them to grow he wants pastors to flourish. And I love that this man is more than just in my corner as a pastor. He is shoulder to shoulder as a friend and co-laborer in the kingdom of God. He is not a stranger to this congregation. He is a friend, but it's been the first time in a couple years that we've had him back. Could we give a huge key first welcome to John Opelouski? Love you, buddy. Wow, what an introduction. I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> it's so good to be with you this morning. I, I, can't, uh, I can't really describe to you how emotional I feel this morning watching those baptisms. Um, and just to be able to share that experience with you this morning is so incredibly wonderful. It's such a treat. And uh, it's so good that God's uh, still doing that kind of work in people's lives. I, um, I want to say, first of all, thank you to Pastor Dave and Ann for inviting Laura and myself to be here today. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Uh, thank you. I want to say thank you to Cammie for making the arrangements and helping me with all of the, uh, all of the logistics, and I appreciate you. Thanks so much for helping out. And, um, you know, I feel, and I think my wife, I could speak for my wife, we feel very much the same toward Dave and Ann. We're so grateful that God's put us together. And uh, isn't it cool how God brings people into your life at the right time when you need them? 
Um, and uh, I'm grateful for those people in my life. I can name them uh, from, you know, you ask me who are the five most important people in my life. Uh, Laura's number, next to Jesus, Laura's number one, but I've got some great people in my life that have, have really been there for me when life was difficult. Um, I do want to introduce my wife to you. Honey, would you stand up real quick? This is my wife, Laura. Laura and I have been married for 41 years, and uh, <clears throat> we have four boys. We have uh, three daughters-in-law, and four of the most beautiful granddaughters that God has ever created. And um, uh, we just love this season of our life. Uh, being a papa and a grandma is just the best. Uh, we have brought some resources with us. Um, and uh, we, uh, those are out in the foyer. I want to tell you just about two of them real quick. Uh, I wrote this book, wow, over six years ago. And it's still the bestseller that we have. It's called Unshakable You, Five Choices of Emotionally Healthy People. If, unless you live in a cave, you realize how much depression and anxiety has overrun our society. I mean, it's always been an issue, but in, in the last, a year ago, over 42% of adults in the United States were suffering with depression. That's four times the normal average. Think about that for a minute. So almost one out of two adults suffering with depression, anxiety on, uh, on the rise, suicide, um, just a lot of difficult stuff. And I wrote this book a long time ago because I wanted to put something in print that chronicled my story through depression and what I learned along the way. And this is a short book. Man, you can read this book, man. This is like, I wrote it short because I wanted guys to read it. And, uh, <laughs> but if you or somebody that you care about is suffering with depression, this book will help them. If you don't ever want to get depressed, this book will help you. So it's out there. And then the, I don't think I had this book out when I was here the last time, Pastor Dave. This is, a, this is our fourth book that we wrote. It's called Unshakable Leader. We like the word unshakable. Uh, the simple yet amazing power of alignment. And if you lead anything, you lead a home, you lead a team, you lead a company, you lead a ministry, the most significant thing that you can do is to bring a healthier, more aligned, less anxious version of yourself to the mix. That's the most influential thing you can do, to bring the very best version of yourself to the party. And so we wrote this book because we thought, look, um, that we wanted leaders to not, there, how many of you realize there are a million leaders, there's probably more than a million, there's several million leadership books out there, right? And I'm not, I love leadership books, I love systems, I love processes, but if you have great systems and you're a mess on the inside, how many realize those systems aren't going to help you very much? So th that, that book, this book is about that, and we have a few others out there. Okay. I think we're allowed to have fun at this church. I haven't been here in three years, but I seem to remember you guys like to have fun. Yeah. Is that all right? So we're going to do a little thing, a fun thing here, and then we're going to jump into 
our passage of Scripture this morning. How many of you know that every state in the United States has a motto? Mich Anybody know who, what Michigan's is? Anybody know what Michigan's motto is? No, that's definitely not it. No, it, it's this. If you seek a pleasant peninsula, look about you. That's Michigan's motto. Here's some other state models. These are actual state models. Mississippi, uh, by valor and arms. Montana, oro y plata. That's gold and silver. Hawaii, I like this one. The life of the land is perpetuated in righteousness. That's really cool. Wisconsin, forward. I like, the, I like that conciseness there. But did you know, and I, we could give you all kinds of state models, but did you know that for every state model that was actually accepted, that there were hundreds that were rejected? These are models that didn't quite make the cut. And I want to share a couple of those with you. Mississippi, why would you want to come here? <laughs> that one didn't make it. Montana, bring your own guns. <laughs> they said no to that. Hawaii, death to mainland scum, but leave your money. <laughs> and then finally, Wisconsin, come cut our cheese. <laughs> you got to be old to get that one, I guess. How many of you know that your perspective makes a huge difference in your life. Perspective colors how we interpret things, how we interpret events. It also influences our walk with Jesus. In our Bible passage this morning today, I want to talk to you about the subject of finishing strong. And we're going to jump into Matthew 24 in just a minute. I have been very disturbed over the last 5, 10 years at how many uh, Christians seem to be not finishing well. And it, uh, it bugs me. It bugs me for two reasons. One, because I, I, I wonder what is going on in that person's life that, that has caused them to go down this path. Here's the other reason it bothers me. Because I know that could be me. And I don't want that to be me. In Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1, we read these words. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call attention to its buildings. Now, these buildings were magnificent. And, and the disciples were very proud of these buildings. Jesus says this, do you see all these things? I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. 
Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. How many realize the disciples were getting a lot more from Jesus than they expected right here? But he goes on. He says, all these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, and listen to this, and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Our key scripture this morning are the last two verses of that passage. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is one of the most sobering passages in the New Testament. It really is. Thankfully, it ends with a promise. It, the disciples say, Jesus, you know, we love these beautiful buildings. And Jesus says, in 70, he didn't say in 70 years, but approximately 40 years, none of this will be here. It'll all be knocked down. And that's exactly what happened in 70 AD. Uh, the, the city of Jerusalem was flattened. And then Jesus moves beyond that, and he starts talking about what's going to happen right prior to his return. And he, he gives a list of things. He said many people would claim to be the Messiah. There would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be great social upheaval. There would be an increase in persecution. Uh, God's people would be hated by outsiders. And even some of those who historically have loved God will turn on each other. That gives me pause. I have never seen Christians treat each other more poorly than in 2020 and in 2021. We've got a lot of forgiving to do. We've got a lot of forgiving to do. We, and when I say we, I don't mean this church. I mean the, the church, Big C. We have misbehaved towards each other at a level that I have never seen in my entire life. And that's what grabbed me when I was reading this passage of Scripture many months ago and just feeling like, man, God, that is, I see that happening for the first time in my life. I see Christians going after each other in ways I've never seen before and at a level I've never seen before. But in the middle of all that bad news, Jesus leaves us with this promise. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. That word stand, that, those two words, stand firm, come from a single Greek word, hupomeno, and it means this, to hold one's ground in conflict, to bear up under adversity, to hold out under stress, to wait calmly, John, wait calmly and courageously. 
This idea of standing firm isn't passive. It's actually an active, energetic resistance to defeat. And it carries with it, it's an amazing word in Greek, it carries with it the idea of an intentional plan. How many of you know if you want to finish strong, you've got to have a plan? You are not going to wander your way to finishing well. You have to have a game plan. You have to have a strategy. How we, here's the key thought for our talk today. How we finish tomorrow depends on the choices we make today. You want to finish well tomorrow, start making good choices right now. And I want to talk to you this morning about a pathway. Is that okay if I give you a simple, intentional strategy that increases your chances of finishing strong? How many of you would be interested in that this morning? Okay, I'm going to give you four things real fast this morning. And uh, I could take an hour on each one. Don't worry about it. I won't do that. Um, we'll, we'll be out of here quickly today. Here's the first one. You ready? The first part of the plan is to go deeper. I'd like you all to say go deeper. Go deeper in your walk with God. In Psalm 27, 8, King David writes this. He says, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I want everybody to say the word heart. Say the word heart. Say the word will. Going deeper with Jesus is a combination of internal desire and consistent choices. In fact, internal desire grows from our choices and habits. See, I think sometimes we Christians think that walking with God is just a series of these amazing experiences. You know, like I go to a revival meeting. I go to, I go to a, uh, an elevation worship night. And it's an incredible experience. And God does some wonderful things in my life. I'm all for that, by the way. But how many of you know that you can't go from experience to experience to experience and finish well? That's not how this thing works. It's about consistent choices. Day after day. How, how many of you drink coffee? Wow, a lot of you. A lot of you. Pastor, I think they've, they've taken on your love for coffee. Um, how many of you had to develop a taste for coffee? Yeah. You know the first time I had a cup of coffee? Fifth grade. I grew up Catholic, and... Uh, I don't know why my parents thought it was okay, but one day they let me walk to church by myself. I, I don't know, how old are you in fifth grade? Eleven? Something like that? And so I, the church was about four blocks away from our house, five blocks. And I decided, I'm not going to Mass. I'm, I'm going to the Texan. That was a restaurant down the road. And I'm going to have some coffee. I'm 11. And so I get in there, and I, and I think, what did, now that I think about it, what did that waitress think? What's this little punk doing in here ordering coffee? And so I ordered coffee. She brings it. I take a drink, and I think, I almost spit it all out. 
I said, that's the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. Five creams and eight sugars later, it was tolerable. But how many of you know I was, I was on my way? And slowly but surely, less cream, less sugar, and coffee didn't taste as bad. Now I started to develop a taste. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You develop a taste for coffee. Hey, I hated broccoli when I was in sixth grade. I like broccoli now. How? Broccoli tastes the same today as it did when I was a little guy. I developed a taste. How do you develop passion for Jesus? You develop a taste for it. And that taste is developed through choices. We acquire a deeper walk with Jesus through repetition and over time. And soon it becomes as natural as our morning cup of coffee. How many of you have to even think about coffee in the morning anymore? You know, you just do it. It's normal. It's natural. You can have a walk with Jesus where you're not thinking every morning, hey, should I spend time with God this morning? Should I read the Word? No, it becomes automatic. See, I think we, we think that this thing of, of walking with Jesus is a series of broad jumps. No, it's a series of steps that we take. If you're here this morning and you're not spending any time in God's word or prayer at all, I'm not here to beat you up about that this morning. I realized a long time ago, guilt motivates people for about 30 seconds. So I'm not here to do that. But can I challenge you this morning? If you're struggling to be consistent in, in time of prayer and reading of Scripture, set a goal. Hey, three times a week, I'm going to spend 10 minutes with God. How many of you realize that if you do that for a month, you'll be able to add another day really easy? Because you're getting into a habit. One of the best books I have read in a long time is called Atomic Habits. Fantastic book. And I wrote this stuff before I read Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits just reinforces this. Look, the way you go deeper with Jesus is you get consistent. You build this ingrained habit. You start with it easy. Don't make it hard on yourself. If you're not spending any time with God, don't do this. I'm going to spend every day with God. How many of you know you're setting yourself up for failure? No. Two times a week, three times a week, get consistent. Do that for a month. After a month, it'll be easy. It'll be like your morning cup of coffee. Then add another day to it. And over time, you'll go deeper. I remember telling Laura, I don't know how long ago this was, maybe about four months ago. I don't know if you remember this, Laura. Uh, there's, there's some people in my life that I really admire. Do you have people like that? I admire their character. I admire how far along the road they are in Christ. And I tell myself, when I grow up, I want to be like that person. And so we had just spent some time with that individual, and I told Laura, I want more of the fruit of the Spirit developed in my life. I've been a Christian for 47 years. And, and that was just the cry of my heart. And how many of you know that it's in the secret place with Jesus where that fruit is deepened. 
How do I know that's true? Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. So, if you're serious about ending up finishing your race well, it's time to stop splashing around in the shallow end of the pool. It's time to go deeper. You have to go deeper. The more I partake of God's word, of prayer, of worship, the hungrier I get and the deeper I go. The less I partake of his word, of prayer and worship, the less hungry I become and the shallower I get. If you want to finish well, you have to go deeper. Secondly, if you want to finish strong, you need to reach wider. Reach wider. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it, is, it says this, It is not good for the man to be alone. Man, if, if, if the last two years haven't proven that, part of the reason depression and anxiety are so bad is because of isolation. We've been away from each other. These words in Genesis 2.18 were spoken about Adam. Eve hadn't been created yet. And this was before Adam and Eve fell and all, you know what, broke loose after they did that. Adam, listen to this. Think about this for a minute. Adam lived in a perfect environment. He had a perfect job. He had no hindrance between him and God. He had a perfect relationship with Father God. And in the middle of perfection, he still needed another human to do life with. You know, if you want to finish strong, you not only need to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, you need to also reach wider in your relationships with people. I don't like Christian songs. Please, and if you sing them here, I'm not judging you. I don't like Christian songs that say, all I need is you, because that is not true. That's bad theology. Yes, you need Jesus. That's the most important relationship in your life. But you need people, too. We need both. I think we need three kinds of friends, Pastor Dave. We, we need a, you and I need a safe, trustworthy friend who knows everything about us. Guys, you need a guy friend. You and I need guy friends who know us completely. Now, they got to be safe. They got to know how to hold confidence. But we need somebody like that in our lives. Girls, you need a girlfriend who knows you completely. Why is that? Because secrets will hold you captive. Problems that you're experiencing in your life fester under the cloak of secrecy. The devil works in those secret places. That's his territory. And when you open up to another human being, his power is diminished. That habit its power is diminished in your life because you've opened up to somebody else about it. We need somebody like that in our life. Here's another kind of friend we need in our life. We just need a friend that makes us laugh. Man, I need that in my life. Laura, am I a serious person? She's shaking her head yes. I need people in my life 
who I don't have to be on for. I don't have to be Pastor Dave for. We were having that talk before church this morning. Somebody who I just hang out with. We don't talk about anything serious. We, we don't try to solve the problems of the world. Our goal in that relationship is to break records for having fun. We all need some people like that in our life. Listen, the world is full of seriousness. We need some laughter and some joy on a regular basis brought into our relational world. Here's another kind of friend we need. We need a friend who challenges us. Who speaks into our life to grow and get better. How many of you realize that left to yourself, you might not reach your full potential as a person? That you need somebody in your life who sees something in you that maybe you don't even see and can call that out of you. You know, Pastor, I think this, that leadership, part of leadership is, is, is seeing the greatness that God has put in people and calling that out of them. So good. We need people in our lives like that. I'll never forget. I don't know how much time I have. Oh, I have 17 minutes. Uh, okay, there we go. <clears throat> I remember when I was a, two months old in the Lord. I'm 16 years old, and, and every, almost everybody around me that's born again are hippies. You know, I'm not hippies. I'm not a hippie at that point, and then never became one. But I'm <laughs> just, just so you know, I never became one. But this guy, his name was Richard, and Richard was the most, like, he, he didn't walk. Richard glided. You know, he, he, he floated. He was a super spiritual guy. That's what I mean by that. And Richard looked at me. I'm two months old in the Lord. Richard looks at me and says, you're teaching Bible study next week. I'm an introvert. I don't like getting up, in, I do now, but I didn't then, get up, get up in front of people. I was shy. I said, what do you mean? I'm going to, I'm going to, he says, you're teaching Bible study. Pastor Dave, I spent 40 hours preparing <laughs> for a 20-minute Bible study. I was so nervous. And I got in this group of about 12 people, and I can't even remember what I was teaching on, but I taught, and I thought, oh, my word. I know how to do this. I can actually, aren't you glad for people who see something in you that you don't see that call that out of you? That's the kind of friend you need in your life. You need some people who will help you to grow and get better. Okay, so we want to finish strong. What do we got to do? We got to go deeper. We have to reach wider. Thirdly, we need to run smarter. In Matthew chapter 11, it says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Yeah, don't you love that? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, just as Jesus speaking, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Do you know that it's very hard to finish strong when you're chronically exhausted? As a matter of fact, I've lost count of the number of stupid things mature Christians have done because they're tired. 
They didn't do those things because they were evil. They didn't do those things because they were uh, planning to. But in a moment of exhaustion, in a moment of weakness, they did something that they would never do if they were well rested. So we increase our chances of standing firm to the end when we, listen, I want you to think of this word, steward. When we steward our physical, our emotional, and our mental resources. You have limitations as a human being. God designed you and me with the need for sleep. He did. I got a hallelujah and an amen. God designed us to, to eat, right? To, to move. He, he, he gave us limitations of energy. And if you want to finish well, you have to steward those resources. See, I was never taught that until I ran into the wall of depression and I had to learn that. Can I tell you from personal experience? Learn it now so that you don't have to run into the brick wall and your life be turned upside down for years while you recover. You can prevent anxiety and depression if you steward your physical, mental, and emotional resources. Let me give you a couple of ideas of how to do that. Uh, I'll give you three. One, punch out at a reasonable time every day. Punch out at a reasonable time. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. The whole world doesn't, doesn't count on you being available 24-7. Thank the Lord for that, right? Yeah, I, I have this talk with pastors all the time. You know why? Because pastors don't punch clock. Their work happens at weird times. It's very, it can be a very disruptive job. It, but I tell pastors, look, because it's so disruptive, you have to do this even better because it doesn't come naturally to you. You need to do, so our lead pastor, he's not our lead pastor anymore, he's now the district superintendent of the AG here in Michigan. He used to shut his phone off at seven o'clock at night. And I remember talking to our congregation last year, I said, did you know he did that? Nobody knew he did that. And they said, guess what? You're still all here. Yeah. Yeah. He, even Jesus wasn't accessible 24-7. Why in the world do we feel like we always have to be on and available? That's not how this works. Punch out at a reasonable time every day. No more emails after a certain time of night. No more work. Pivot to your family. Pivot to your personal life. Work on your relationships. Work on reaching wider, right? Secondly, guard your weekly day off like your life depended on it. Because in many ways, your life does depend on it. The quality of your life, the fruit you'll bear, the way you'll finish. I could talk about Sabbath the rest of the time. I won't. Let me just say this about Sabbath. You and I need a reminder every week that we're not God. And He is. Every week, I need that reset that I'm not God. He is. And then thirdly, figure out what fills up your emotional tank. And schedule that into your life. Do you know what fills your tank up? Well, I know what fills my tank up. I like waves. I like water. Water speaks to me. 
when I watch waves for two or three hours, I'm a brand new person. Laura and I were in Florida for two weeks of vacation in February, two glorious, amazing weeks. We were blessed with a condo right on the Atlantic Ocean. And it, it wasn't sunny every morning, but the mornings that it was sunny, we got, I got out there early, Laura joined me for most of those, and we watched the sun come up over the ocean. You ever done that? I am telling you, I, I, I just felt so energized by that. I don't know, that might not do it for you. What fills up your emotional tank? Figure out what that is and make it a priority in your life. Make an appointment with yourself. This is how we... Run smarter. See, the smarter you run, the better shot you have at finishing well. And you, I'm going to just say this, and I hope you take this the right way. You alone, if you're an adult, you alone are responsible to care for the emotional component in your life and the mental component in your life. Your boss at work is not responsible for your emotional well-being. Your spouse is not responsible for your emotional well-being. Your pastor is not responsible for your emotional well-being. You're responsible. Own that part of your life and you'll run smarter. And you'll finish well. Go deeper, reach wider, run smarter. And lastly this morning... Look longer. Look longer. In other words, keep the end of the story in view. In Revelation 21, I love this passage of Scripture. The Apostle John writes these words, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now is the dwelling, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Listen. He who overcomes will inherit all this. If you want to finish well, take the long view. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Because when it all wraps up and time is no more, we who belong to Jesus win. We win. We're promised victory. No more pain. How does that sound? No more disappointment. No more relational fractures. In the end, we win. And it's so easy to forget the finish line, isn't it? Uh, in high school, my coach made me run the mile. Bad idea. I don't have a miler's body. But he was the football coach. And if you want to play football, which I loved, you had to run track, which I hated. And so I had to run the mile. Drudgery, complete drudgery. The only thing that gave me hope was when I saw, I saw the finish line. And I thought, 
I can get there. I can get there. I can get there. And listen, I'm not saying your walk with God has to be drudgery. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes life is hard, isn't it? And sometimes things happen, even when you love Jesus, that you can't explain, that you don't understand, that are confusing to you, and you wonder, maybe, is it, is it worth walking with Jesus? Is it worth staying on this path? Let me tell you, in those times, you need to look at the finish line and see what's waiting for you on the other end. That will help you keep running. Now, you might be here this morning in person or watching online and thinking, well, John, that's a nice talk, but really, so what? Why should I care? Can I just tell you why I care? I want to finish strong for the sake of our boys. I want them to have somebody to look up to. I want my boys to see somebody that finished well. I want to finish well for the sake of our daughters-in-law. I want to finish well for the sake of those four beautiful, amazing granddaughters. To know that it's possible to walk with Jesus in a chaotic world. I want to finish strong so that every person I've ever influenced for Jesus has no excuse when they look at me and say, if John can't finish, maybe I can't finish. I want to finish because I want them to be inspired to finish their own race. The Apostle Paul said this. He, this is perhaps the ultimate why you should care. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to how many? To all who have longed for his appearing. So I don't know about you this morning, but I don't want to be in the love of most will grow cold group. I want to be in the stand firm to the end group. How about you this morning? If you're here this morning and you're young, and I guess I should qualify that, right? Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're early 20s. And you're thinking, John, I've got a lot of life in front of me. Why should I care about this stuff now? Because how you finish tomorrow has everything to do with the choices you make right now. Even if you're 17 years old or 20 years old or whatever, however old you are. So this morning, I'm going to ask Pastor Dave in just a minute to come on up and close us out. But I wonder if you would take a minute to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. And I want to invite those of you in the room who have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, do you know that you only have to do one thing to, to be saved? And that's give up the right to be your own boss. 
Paul says in, in Romans chapter 10, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess that he is Lord, you will be saved. I gave my life to Jesus at 16. I prayed a simple prayer. Jesus, I surrender control of my life to you. And you know what? My life's never been the same. Radical transformation, best decision I ever made in my life. And I wonder how many of you here this morning you would say, John, I don't think I've ever really said, Jesus, I surrender control of my life to you, but I want to do that this morning. Could you just show your hands to me right now if that's you? Just put your hand up and hold it up for a minute. I'm not going to call you forward, but I just want to scan the audience. Hold your hand up and let me see this morning. Yes. One, two, three. Okay, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. Keep, keep them up for just a little while longer. All right. I think I saw three this morning. So if you raised your hand this morning, and maybe you thought you should and you didn't, right in your seat this morning, just say this to Jesus. Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. Come be the boss. You're calling the shots now. I surrender control. And if you'll do that, He'll meet you right in your seat. He'll cleanse you. He'll free you. He'll set you on a path that's just totally amazing and incredible. Make sure if you said yes, you surrender to Jesus, you tell somebody about it. And if you don't have anybody to tell, you can tell me afterwards. One more thing, and then Pastor Dave, come on up. Can I call those of you who are already Christians? Can I challenge you this morning? How many of you will say, I'll commit to the roadmap that's been outlined this morning because I want to finish strong? Can I see your hands this morning? I commit. Okay, you've got your hands up. Jesus sees that. I commit. So, Father, I thank you this morning that in a world that's filled with chaos, that there is a way for us, Lord, to get to the end of our journey and be in one piece, to finish well. I pray, Father God, for those today who are going through a tough time. And Lord, they've been thinking about maybe quitting. I pray today will have made a difference in their life, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for your strength, for your help, that we're not walking alone. You're with us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Pastor amen. Dave.